You know, when you get clear on your why, your highest values are your why, which is unique to you. Once your why is clear, the how becomes easier. Not easy, but but easier. And it's gonna keep you going when you're getting punched in the face. Because <laughs> Mike Tyson said it best. He said, uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? So you could have a structure, but once you get punched in the face, you're at an event, and there's all this food, there's temptation, there's peer pressure, what are you going to do? Well, if you're clear, clear on your why, why do you want to get healthy? And do you want to know what it is? Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Welcome to the Body, Mind, Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Seamland, and our guest today is Ben Azadi. Ben is an author, speaker, and podcaster. He's known as the health detective because he investigates how to bring the body back to normal function. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Keto. Perfect Keto, keto-friendly snacks and supplements are packed with quality ingredients that provide sustained energy to fuel your body and mind. Using strictly high-quality ingredients and no garbage means you're going to skip any unnecessary spikes to your blood sugar and you'll feel great for hours. I think Perfect Keto has the highest quality supplements for the ketogenic diet and I use their ketones for both physical and cognitive performance. They also have amazing MCT powder that you can add to your coffee as well as collagen powder that's great for the skin. Perfect Keto has a limited time offer for you. If you buy one of the products, you can get one for 40% off with the code SEEM40. So head over to perfectketo.com forward slash SEEM40 and let's get on with the show. Ben, welcome to the show. SEEM, I'm grateful to be here with you, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, good to connect and uh, I'm interested in uh, talking about uh, like what's what's the deal with being a health detective like that's a really cool uh, nickname how did you come up with that yeah so I came up with that name over the years through my my training with uh, FDN functional diagnostic nutrition and they started to teach me when I started to get into that training to investigate when you're working with the client what is causing dysfunction in the body what is causing interference in the body of your client, why are they not healing? So what, what I have been doing ever since I learned that is investigating with the client, what is going on, what's the interference? So once we identify that like a, like a detective, we remove that interference, we remove the dysfunction, and then all of a sudden the body starts functioning the way that it was designed to function. And as, as you talk about a lot, the body is designed to thrive. It's designed to have high levels of energy and focus and fat burning. And as long as you could identify like a detective, that interference, the body will heal itself. So that's where it came about. I started calling myself the health detective and uh, a lot mm. of people appreciate that name. <laughs> yeah, like it is true in a way that your, your body is this uh, like a system and you do have to kind of, uh, in order to be successful with your health, you do have to kind of have some, at least some uh, basic understanding about how it functions and uh, what are, how does the metabolism work and how does the different nutrients affect it and yeah like how do you combine them together so it is true in a way that <laughs> and especially like in the modern world like there's so much like conflicting information about everything and therefore you do have to have even like more advanced <laughs> like uh, investigation skills to kind of decipher that uh, information and uh, make more sense of it yeah exactly and you know you just inspired me to also share because when i do like meet with a new client and i'm asking them their health history it's like an investigation i'm asking them hey 
Have you ever lived near a golf course or by a highway? Do you have silver fillings? Have you ever lived, lived in a house before 1978? Because we know that has uh, lead paint, most likely. Have you ever wore contact lenses? Were you vaccinated? It's asking all these questions to determine what has filled their stress bucket so we could identify it and then remove that stress. Hmm. You mentioned uh, that you work with the FDA. So how was, how was that? Not FDA, FDN. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. So a little, a, a little bit different. <laughs> so FDN is a, a functional diagnostic nutrition um, certification. They're a, a health coaching program based out of okay. Uh, California. Okay. So how was it? It was great. They taught me how to order advanced lab testing and look at the gut, look at the body, look at mold exposure. So I learned a lot about how to read lab work, <laughs> which mm -hmm. I now geek out on. It's so fun to look at lab work. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think th the lab work is kind of the most accurate way of assessing one's health, and at least like in the particular moment. So uh, you know, if you don't have like any additional information about the actual state of your body and like what's the balance between certain hormones and nutrient status and so on, then you're kind of shooting in the dark, <laughs> especially when it comes to like diet and uh, so on. So if that's why like the biohacking aspect is also like quite quite critical in a way that you you should measure the things that you want to change and there are specific like um, tactics or strategies that you could implement to change something in, in your body whatever it may be yeah amen exactly because it, we know we don't treat the lab work but it gives us these clues these pieces to the puzzle especially when we look at it from our functional lens versus that standard reference range. And then when we go back and we look and we, re we retest and we look at the previous results with the new results, that data, you can't lie from that data, right? It's showing you mm -hmm. exactly what you've done, whether it has helped or not. So right on. Yeah. So how did you get into this then? Like, uh, how did you start learning about nutrition and the health? Well, I got into this back in 2008, 2009, where I went through my own personal health transformation. I was obese for most of my life uh, growing up here in uh, Miami, Florida. My parents immigrated to Miami from Iran back in mm -hmm. the 1970s. They had my sister was born and I was born. And I grew up pretty much left to my own devices. I hung out with the wrong crowd. I was addicted to drugs and video games and a standard American diet. Uh, aka a stupid American diet. <laughs> and uh, I became obese, both physically and mentally. That transferred into my early adulthood, where I found myself back in 2008, a 24-year-old young man weighing 250 pounds with over 30% body fat, just lost in life, rock bottom, depressed, uh, suicidal to the point where I was actually on the internet looking for ways to end my life because I was so lost oh. and tired of hurting. Uh, and then I started to read books <laughs> for the first time <laughs> in my life. I started to read uh, books from like Wayne Dyer and Bob Proctor. And it helped me take responsibility that mm. I am in control. It's not my circumstances, but me. So I started to focus on my health. And nine months from that moment, I lost 80 pounds. I went from wow. 250 pounds to 170. I went from 34% body fat down to 6% uh, body fat. And uh, I finally carved out a physical six pack. Uh, but more importantly, I, I believe I carved out a, a mental six pack. And yeah. that's what got me started. I became a personal trainer. I owned the CrossFit gym. Uh, yeah. And then I ended up um, working with um, Dr. Pampa, who's my personal coach and mentor, who I know uh, you've had him on your show. He's had you on his. And I've been working with him for the last couple of years. And he's been training me on his protocols. And that's been my journey in a nutshell.
Hmm. Wow, that's that's pretty pretty crazy. Uh, what was was there like any specific like a trigger or a, like an event that made you want to turn everything around? Because like a lot of times people only change if you know something serious happens, like they get diagnosed or they've just had <laughs> they just had enough of it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, so for me, it was it was that rock bottom. My ex girlfriend at the time broke up with me. I didn't know how to handle it. I was crying every day. Uh, and you know what? I shared this on on an interview I did last week. We're we're right now during the uh, the quarantine during the co- coronavirus, and I believe that more people are going to die from suicide from the lockdown than the actual virus itself. And, and mm-hmm. I also believe that if if this was happening right now the lockdown, the coronavirus back in 2008, when I was suicidal, I didn't have my, if I don't have my sports, if I don't have my friends, if I don't have all these outlets, I would have taken my life. And I can't imagine how many people are going through that right now. So for me, Seem, it was, I knew that I was tired of being sick and tired, but I also knew that I wasn't going to end my life because I didn't want to do that to my mother. I didn't want to leave behind all that devastation uh, so that's what stopped me. So I had to make a decision, man. I was forced to make a change in my life. And I knew that I felt like crap and I looked like crap. So it started with my health. So mm-hmm. hitting rock bottom was that springboard that I used to launch into something great. Yeah, that's, I t- totally agree that, uh, the, the overlooked aspect of this lockdown is the psychological, uh, let's say turmoil that a lot of people go through and you know a lot of it is also not you know the virus the fear about the virus has like a small part of it but a lot of it is also just you know the economic uh, burden that a lot of people have lost their jobs they're not being able to connect with their uh, friends and family they're stuck indoors they they don't get to move around and uh, yeah they're constantly watching the news about the scary stuff that is going on and uh, fear-mongering and so on. So it does have like a lot huge consequence uh, on a lot of people, I would imagine, in the coming um, months and uh, years even. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. And it's, it's, it's being ignored from, from the mainstream media. And, you know, I'm not downplaying any life lost from the coronavirus, but I'm saying that there's more going on behind the scenes that that's not talked about. I was just interviewing um, Nora Gergaudis. Are you familiar with her work, Nora? Yeah, yeah. She, so she was sharing that uh, her partner listens to these police scans, and she's based out in Portland. And uh, he, her partner has been doing this for a while. But now the calls that is being heard on these police scans are not robberies and, and thefts and accidents. It's most of the time mental health breakdowns, suicide attempts, suicides because of what's happening. And that's just in Portland. I mean, I can't imagine what's happening worldwide. And it's a shame that it's not being spoken about. So I'm glad we have this opportunity to talk about it here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, like, what did, how did you turn it around for yourself? Like, uh, how did you lose your weight? And what did you do? I didn't do it the way that I would teach it now and the way that you teach it. <laughs> I did anything I could find in Men's Health Magazine, <laughs> Bodybuilder <laughs> Threads. Uh, so I actually did P90X. Are you familiar with P90X, those programs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did that. I did some beach body stuff. Um, but you know what? Anything that I would have done back then would have gotten me results because it was a change. It was an adaptation mm-hmm. in the body. So I did low, low fat, not low carb, but low fat, eating every two to three hours. And I, I became one of those fit sick people who had digestive issues, acne, but I had a six pack. <laughs> so I had to, had to discover what health really was. And it took experiments with 
the vegan diet, took experiments with then getting into keto and fasting back in 2013. Uh, and now I have a, a variation of keto, which I call keto flexing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is true in a way that you could lose weight on any kind of diet. And uh, the kind of the aesthetic aspect is uh, pretty much similar. Like uh, you, you can have a six pack by eating just uh, vegetables or eating just meat, whatever it is, like the difference between them all is just uh, there, there will probably be a difference in your biomarkers, like what's in the inside and uh, also like how you, how you feel and uh, what kind of like a, how, how well do you feel do, doing it? Because probably the most important variable to any diet is the consistency and the sustainability. So if you aren't able to like stick to it in the long term, then you're eventually going to like rebound. And uh, there's a lot, like a lot of the time people struggle with this like um, yo-yo dieting and uh, cycling between gaining weight, losing weight and uh, going on these restric- restrictive diets all the time. So yeah, that's kind of not, not a, like a very sustainable way of doing it. Yeah, and it happens more often than not. And until they get to your work, your amazing YouTube channel, this podcast, and some of my work, that they understand that, wow, we, we don't actually lose weight to get healthy. We get healthy to lose weight, like Dr. Berg says all the time. So that's root cause. Uh, it, it's a shame that a lot of personal trainers, doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, they fail to neglect that for every effect there is a cause. And um, that's not what we're about. We're about looking at the cause and you remove that interference like we talked about, then the body will heal. A side effect is the weight comes off, it stays off. So yes, that's what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So what is this flexible keto dieting? Yeah, so what I I have a four-pillar approach to what I teach. And uh, the first pillar is adapt, meaning getting keto adapted, taking a sugar burner, teaching that all 70 trillion cells to burn fat instead of sugar, uh, as we know, is a more clean, efficient fuel source. I compare it to uh, like a Tesla from Elon Musk versus a Mack truck with smoke coming out of its exhaust pipe. So we teach ourselves to be a Tesla and burn fat, which is my adapt pillar. And then I add uh, my second pillar, which is my fast pillar, which is intermittent fasting. We start uh, doing variations of a 16-8, OMAD, uh, 24-hour autophagy fasting, which you talk a lot about. Uh, That's my second pillar. And then the the third pillar is my phase pillar. The phase pillar is where we go extreme for about 14 days, and we go essentially no carb. And I like kind of doing a variation of carnivore here, where we force the body to burn fat and only fat. It creates this adaptation uh, where good cells get stronger and, and bad cells don't adapt. And once you achieve this ability to burn fat and be efficient, then the fourth pillar, which is my flex pillar. And that's where we do keto flexing, where we teach the body to have, depending on the person, uh, on average, to have one day out of the week where we intentionally get out of ketosis with more of a paleo uh, approach, where we have high mm-hmm. amounts of uh, healthy carbs. We don't do too much fasting. We get more of that mTOR and less of the autophagy. And if you've done it the right way, if you built up this metabolic machinery the way that I taught it, then the next day you're right back into ketosis and you still feel great. So that's uh, kind of what I teach. Yeah, like it is true in a way that uh, like uh, first, the first step should be some form of a keto adaptation if people want to become like a fat burning machine (laughs) because uh, like most people coming from the standard American diet they don't really have this ability to do to, to, to burn their own body fat in a, like a very efficient manner. And that's why they also get these cravings and uh, the 
the, the hypoglycemia from fasting and the sort of things because they're like their their body is so inefficient with burning fat and it kind of revolts exactly yeah because when they, they they hear about fasting from you they, they watch one of your videos and they're like oh i'm gonna fast tomorrow but they <laughs> haven't done the work so all of a sudden they feel like crap and they blame you and your videos <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh what, what but what are some like um you do all like some coaching as well so what are some problems uh, people face during these phases yeah the number one thing i've seen the number one reason somebody feels like crap on keto at least from my experience is sluggish bile they they don't have the proper bile flow to start breaking down all the fat they're going to eat so i'll explain it in a way to somebody who doesn't understand what that means the, the liver stimulates bile production to it's like a detergent to break down fat the vitamins a d e and k which are so important so when you start eating more fat on keto, which is fantastic, eat some healthy fats, if you don't have proper bile function, bile flow to break down the fats, all of a sudden you're going to get digestive issues. And that's the first problem. The second problem is this. Once you start burning fat, crushing fat cells on keto, which you will do, the fat cells will release a lot of toxins. Toxins get stored in the fat cells. The body cannot burn toxins, but it can burn fat cells because the body is freaking fantastic. It's amazing. It's innate intelligence. When we have toxins enter the body from silver fillings, from car fumes, from whatever it is, our drinking supply, the body does not want those toxins to enter vital organs. It does not want it to enter your heart, your kidneys, your brain. So it actually creates something called the PPARY uh, pathway, which signals for those toxins to go into your fat cells, or it'll actually produce fat cells for those toxins to be stored in because uh, it doesn't want those toxins entering your vital organs. So what happens is now when you're on keto, you're burning those fat cells and those toxins are now dumped into the bloodstream. Well, if you don't have proper bile production, bile bounds those toxins to get out of the body. So now you're recirculating those toxins. You're not able to break down fat and you feel like crap and you say keto does not work for me when in reality it was the structure. So how do you deal with that? Bitters. Bitters are better. Having arugula, dandelion greens, even organic coffee, uh, dark chocolate, cranberries in moderation, um, artichoke is fantastic, apple cider vinegar. Do things to stimulate healthy bile production and you're going to feel so much better and you want to also increase your electrolytes and um, sea salt while you're getting uh, into keto as well because your body's going to lose, your kidneys are going to dump a lot of excess water weight and you're going to lose electrolytes. So those are the two main things right there. Bioflow, electrolytes, that is the best thing to focus on when you start transitioning into keto. Yeah, yeah. And like the your body fat holds onto like a lot of the toxins that you do come across. Like a lot of people think that the liver and uh, the organs are like this uh, compositories for toxins, but the, the body fat is actually the bigger <laughs> holder of these body fats or the toxins. Yeah, exactly. The body wants to survive. Yeah. And uh, would you use like any... Uh, specific chelators uh, or binders as well? I, I don't do it in the beginning. I'll use, I'll, I'll have somebody take some ox bile or bile salts. I'll have them drink dandelion tea. Um, I'll, once they go into more of the OMAD fasting, they're doing longer, longer fasting, then yeah, I'll have them use a, a product called Bind, which is activated charcoal and some <clears throat> other chelators in there that they take before bed. And the reason I haven't taken it before bed is because the, the liver is very active overnight and it dumps a lot of bile. So when you take something like this right before bed, it'll sit in the gut and, and act as a catcher's mitt 
to start taking those toxins from the body. So typically, I'll have them start that when they start doing intermittent fasting, not so much in the beginning. But with that being said, somebody might benefit from doing that right from the get-go. Okay. And uh, what, what do you think about the macronutrients? Uh, what kind of ratios do you think uh, people should follow when, like, for starting? The only macro I focus on uh, is, is carbohydrates. I, I have them gradually start decreasing their carbs to go below 25. Um, and, and I say net. Um, that's just the way I teach it. So total carbs minus fiber. Uh, so that's the only one I have them focus on. Uh, I don't have them focus on fat and protein. I, just, I actually have them increase their protein the first 28 days. And I tell them to eat fat and protein with all your meals, eat until full, and let's just track your carbs to get you into to ketosis. I think uh, personally, over the years, when I was a personal trainer and a CrossFit gym owner, I used to focus so much on macros and calories. And it really is, a, I believe it's a distraction to what really matters, which is the cells, the hormones, the metabolism. So I've gotten away with that, with the exception of the carbs for the first month, just to make sure we get the right uh, amount and we limit it enough to get into ketosis. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a good, uh, good idea in a way, uh, kind of teaching your yourself to be like i i do, I do believe like a, some quantification is good because you're going to actually uh, educate yourself or being like this detective and to to understand how many calories how many carbs certain foods have because again like most people have like no idea about uh, what what is a carb or what is right what is, what is a like how, how much how much how much uh, protein does like a piece of steak have and it's yeah like mystery for them yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I always get those questions. Is this a carb? Is that a protein? So you're right. Uh, so how how would you how would you transition over into like the next phase? Yeah. So once you get um, keto adapted, or meaning you're producing ketones now, you're you could verify it by using like a keto mojo or some sort of uh, machine that could help you with that. Then we start doing a, a sixteen eight what we do 16 hours out of the day, we're fasted and we're feasting for eight hours and we build up to OMAD and we do OMAD for a few days in a row. Uh, so that's how I pair it on there. I do have them when they're going through like a, an 18 hour fast or longer. I do like for, for those to track, like, as you say, to, to verify some, some markers, two markers I have them look at is their blood glucose and blood ketones. I want to make sure that during their fast glucose is dropping and ketones are rising. I, I, I want to see that trend. And I, and I tell them, hey, if you don't see that trend, if you see ketones actually dropping and glucose rising, then uh, we got to shorten your fasting window until we start seeing that trend. Because a couple of things could be happening there. Number one, uh, they're, they're too stressed out. Something's going on. They're watching the news. I don't know what it is, but they're, they're raising cortisol too much. It's raising glucose. And they don't need to fast too much right now. So we got to reduce that window, work on activating that parasympathetic nervous system. That could be number one. Number two, that can happen if you do fasting too soon and you're going through uh, gluconeogenesis because the body will start get the body will need to get glucose from somewhere. And if you don't have that flexibility to burn fat, it'll start breaking down some of your protein, and you might get a, a glucose response from that if you haven't done the work. So that's an important thing to look at, I believe, especially during a, a longer fast, like a block fast. You want to see that trend of glucose. Was dropping ketones rising mm-hmm. yeah definitely like it's the it's the signature for um improving your your uh, metabolic health and uh, going in, becoming like this keto adapted and fat burning uh because yeah like if, if you have you know high blood sugar then the, the body inevitably would prefer to burn that instead of uh, fat 
Exactly. He wants to get rid of it because it's a toxic fuel source. It's too much. <laughs> so what kind of carbs would you eat uh, when it comes to like the last stage of implementing these, um, these inflexible dieting? Yeah, on the on the feast day, I'll have them. I'll, I'll recommend this is where you can have your fruits. This is where you can have your yams, your yuca, your uh, your sweet potatoes. Uh, if if you're if you have good digestion, you, some people can do ancient grains. So that's the day where you have that, and it's kind of it's paleo. It it is paleo, and it's still considered low carb for most yeah. people because it's around 100 to 200 grams of carbs. It's not going to get you into ketosis. It'll knock you out, but that's the goal. The goal is to get knocked out too get some of that mTOR. And it also depends if the person has reached my fourth pillar, but they're still insulin resistant and they're type two diabetic, uh, then I would actually have them do more protein instead of carbs on that day mm -hmm. to, uh, continue helping with their condition and to also still get the mTOR. So they'll actually have a lot more protein and, and do no fasting on that day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, protein can also kick you out of ketosis and, uh, you can achieve like a similar similar effect uh, with that without necessarily having to eat like a massive amount of carbs and yeah like i think i feel like a lot of the times in amongst keto people there's this uh like fear or uh, like scare tactics about carbs that <laughs> insulin is bad and you should you should avoid all the carbs for the rest of your life and uh whenever they do eat a little bit more carbs then they Im immediately gain weight or something like that and that, that sort of thing which is i think it's not true and it's definitely you know, carbs can can be very healthy and very useful. So, just have to know how to consume them and uh, also like the amounts. Because if you do, let's say, decide to have this sort of a carb day, and you end up eating like uh, an entire an entire pizza or some donuts or something like that, and then of course you're gonna get this negative uh, association with it. Whereas if you, yeah, just like I said, if you just eat a little bit of berries, a little bit of fruit then uh, it's not that big that not that big of a deal and you actually you would actually probably see like this uh uh increase in metabolic rate and the thyroid functioning and those things exactly you nailed that that's exactly why two of the reasons why i do it because you get an increase in fat burning and uh, uh, and by the way in order for thyroid t4 inactive form of thyroid that cannot be used by the cells to get converted to T3, which is the active form, we need insulin to make that conversion. So if you have chronically low levels of insulin and you're one of those keto bros who stays in ketosis forever, you, you're going to compromise that conversion and that will slow down fat burning. That'll, you know, your energy levels will suffer. You might see your, the, the, the outer layer of your eyebrow starting to thin and that's, that's not a good thing. So it, it sounds counterintuitive. I have some people who come through my keto camp Academy and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to gain weight or I'm going to lose all this progress on a feast day. And I'll explain to them that, no, this is actually exactly what your body needs right now. It's your mind of the body that it's not starving. And whenever you create adaptation variation, whenever there's a change, the body gets stronger. Good cells don't adapt. Uh, excuse me, bad, good cells get stronger, bad cells don't adapt. It's kind of like a, a good personal trainer. They're mm -hmm. always going to change up the workout for their client because it's going to continue to get results for the client. Same thing with your health. When you look at, I know this, our, our ancestors, every single one of them, they did keto <laughs> because keto <laughs> is not a diet. It's a metabolic process. So they were in ketosis. And I also know this, our ancestors weren't in ketosis all the time. You know, if mm -hmm. they found honey, if they found fruit, they would eat that and they would get knocked out of ketosis. So what we're doing is we're mimicking 
the way that we're hardwired to be all 70 trillion cells. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is true in a way that there is no, uh, like a keto diet in a way that would be sustainable in uh, nature because, uh, in nature you would eat whatever you can get, get your hands to. And, uh, that, that would include like honey and fruits and uh, different kinds of tubers at different seasons. And yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be chronically in ketosis. You would be like a lot of it, a lot of the time you would be, but not, not like all the time. Exactly. Most of the time in ketosis, but not all the time. That's how I live my life personally. I do, I do keto flexing and I'm, I would say 80% of the time I'm in ketosis, 20% of the time I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what kind of foods do you eat then? What, what, what kind of foods would you um, like add for these different stages? The first 28 days, I actually have, I, I break down which foods that are keto friendly to actually avoid. The number one food group, I don't know if it's even a food group, but the number one list of foods that I say you got to not have on keto, do not have these are the vegetable oils, mm. uh, the inflammatory fats like the canola, the corn oil, the grapeseed oil. Uh, that is a no-no because we, we <laughs> it's going to create massive amounts of inflammation inflammation in the body. There was a study in the, the book, The PEO Solution by Brian Peskin, who I've had on my podcast a couple of times. He showed that a plate of French fries that were fried in canola oil resulted in 132 days of cell membrane inflammation. Wow. <laughs> so we want to make sure we're not getting these inflammatory fats because the body cannot burn that. I, I would rather have sugar than these inflammatory fats because it's creating all this inflammation. So I tell them to avoid the vegetable oils, have the avocado oil, have the olive oil, the, the coconut oil, the grass-fed butter. And then surprisingly, the first 28 days, I recommend, not have, I recommend avoiding dairy altogether just because I think I've seen it just dramatically reduce inflammation in a lot of people. So just for 28 days, avoid the dairy. I also say avoid spinach and almonds because it's higher in oxalates and uh, nightshades and lectins and things that just have caused inflammation for some people. So I say for these 28 days, let's just be really strict. Let's reduce all this inflammation. And then you could start incorporating more of the almonds and some sauteed spinach and things like that. The only exception seen is no vegetable oils. I, you know, I don't make any exception yeah. with that. When I'm at restaurants, although right now there are no restaurants open, but when I did go to restaurants, me and my girlfriend, we I drive her nuts because I'm always asking the waiter, hey, what oil do you cook with? And it's always a vegetable oil. I tell them I'm allergic and have them cook with like an olive oil. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree that the vegetable oils are like some, th that kind of a food that doesn't really have like any benefit, <laughs> like zero, zero benefit uh, ever. And uh, yeah, like e even if, even if like, let's say, some almonds have some nutritional value and they're not like, they're not like toxic and they're not, they're not uh, going to harm uh, most people, then uh, the vegetable oils uh, will. And uh, the, like you said, they're going to become like a part of the cell membrane and uh, cause inflammation. And yeah, that's, that's like, I think a lot of the time, that's like the root cause of uh, a lot of the diseases that we face in, in modern society. I agree. It more so than uh, even smoking a cigarette. Those vegetable oils are worse than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about... Uh, uh, what about, uh, you know, this, uh, consistency aspect and motivation, like this kind of a shift would require for like a lot of people to also, you know, do these uncomfortable things and that they're not used to like dieting, exercising and, uh, saying no to temptation and so on. So how did you find this sort of a willpower or, um, 
self-control and uh, and uh, discipline to make these changes? Yeah, great question. You know, when you get clear on your why, your highest values are your why, which is unique to you. Once your why is clear, the how becomes easier. Not easy, but but easier. And it's going to keep you going when you're getting punched in the face. Because <laughs> Mike Tyson said it best. He said, uh, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? So you could have a structure, but once you get punched in the face, you're at an event and there's all this food, there's temptation, there's peer pressure. What are you going to do? Well, if you're clear, clear on your why, why do you want to get healthy? And it's not, a lot of people, when I ask them their why, they'll say, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to have more energy, but that's not their why. Why do you want to lose weight? Where is it showing up in your life right now? Do you have lack of confidence because you you're, you have 50 extra pounds? Do you is your relationship suffering because you have no energy? Uh, where is it showing up? Once you get clear on that, you're going to have a strong foundation, and then you could look at that. Keep that why in front of you. Keep your goals in front of you. Uh, for me, I write down my goals every single night before bed, every single morning when I wake up, and I have not missed one day in three and a half years. Okay, I'm hmm. keeping my goals in front of me. I'm feeding the beast. On my wallpaper, on my phone, I have um, a photo uh, of all the things I want to accomplish. I have a New York Times bestseller. I have um, a million subscribers on YouTube. I have a TED, TED Talk. I have things that I want to accomplish that I haven't done yet, but they're my goal. I'm keeping it in front of me. And I also have this. You're going to appreciate this. On my, on my desktop, my MacBook here, there's a Photoshop photo uh, as my wallpaper of me holding a, uh, a gold a YouTube plaque saying, congratulations to Keto Camp for 1 million YouTube subscribers. Now, that hasn't happened yet, right? But I'm manifesting that by keeping it in front of me. So that's important. It's important to keep your goals in front of you, to feed the beast, whether it is writing it down or having it a visual in front of you. And that has made a big difference in my life. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, It's like uh, whatever you focus on the most uh, begins to grow. And the subconscious mind just uh, like uh, narrows it down in a way that you start to see those things everywhere. And like they call it the law of attraction, but in a way, it's just reprogramming your mind to uh, start noticing certain things and then uh, start. You, you also have to take action on it, <laughs> like just visualizing it and uh, dreaming about it isn't going to make it true. You just have to uh, have like the incentive to do it as well as then the like you have to kind of brainwash yourself in a way to start taking these sorts of actions on a consistent base yeah exactly and i believe in the law of attraction but it's 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 no use if you don't have the law of action like you just said so it's a combination of both yeah definitely uh do you um how do how do how do people find their why like uh are there specific exercises they can do or uh, do they have to read a book <laughs> or how do they do it? Yeah, for me, the work of Dr. John Martini really made a big difference in getting clear on my why. And uh, he does have a book called The Highest Values. And he has a whole bunch of exercises in that book to help you determine what your highest values are. And that's your why. And it's very different from person to person. My, my, my values, my highest values are different than you, yours seem and it's different to my girlfriend, right? So getting clear on that, getting clear on what's important to you, read that book or listen to that book. It'll help you with that. Then make a list of all the things that are your highest values. And then look at, make a list then of your daily habits, your daily activities. Does it match 
your highest values. If it does not, then it's time to cut it out of your life. And that could be people. That could be people in your life who are not supporting your highest values. Um, for, for me, I had to spend a lot less time with people and I had to cut a lot of people out of my life. But um, once you get clear on that and you start living on purpose with your purpose, oh my gosh, that stamina is amazing. A lot of people ask me, and I'm sure they ask you too, how, do you, how are you so consistent? How do you have so much stamina? How do you put out so much content? Well, I'm clear on my why and I live on purpose with my purpose and that is fuel. It is fuel like you have never had before. And I would recommend go listening or go reading that book by Dr. John D. Martini or watching some of his videos to get clear on that. Yeah, definitely. Like the, the fuel that you get from your purpose and uh, the motivation itself isn't needed, then you're just, you're just uh, fueled by this vision that you have. And uh, that gives you like this superpower, superhuman strength, as well as superhuman persistency to just, you know, and not get tired while working you can just uh continue on without without like needing like there's the saying that you know if you if you need to have like a vacation then you need to actually get a different job or a different like a vocation because uh if you if you have found something that is you know the ex- the exact thing that uh fulfills you then you don't need to rest <laughs> in, in a like in a way of course you can sleep and and so on but you don't need to t- take this like a longer break from it because uh, the activity itself kind of fuels you and uh, rejuvenates you at the same time while doing it. Yeah, exactly. You, you said it well. And you know, it's late in the day for you over there and, and you're recording a podcast because this is your highest value, right? You, you wouldn't, if it was something that wasn't your highest value, you wouldn't be doing this <laughs> yeah. and you shouldn't be doing this. And that, that was one of the biggest things for me because when I first get, got started as an entrepreneur, I would say yes to so many things. And a lot of those things I said yes to were not my highest values. And once I got clear on my highest values, and it's easy for me to say no, you know, that's or delegate it somewhere, somebody else on my team. But, you know, it, it provides you that clarity. It does give you a superpower. Combine that with keto and fasting. It's just like you're going to be unstoppable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I also think that, you know, this sort of uh, motivation and uh, love uh, towards the thing that you're doing can also be developed so like when i first started writing i didn't like it or i didn't i didn't enjoy it as much as i do now Uh, so i had to kind of build this relationship with it in in order to start enjoying it because yeah initially it's gonna suck and especially related to things like exercise as well if a person has never exercised before then it's gonna be really difficult and they hate every minute of it but like after a while they may they may uh, start lo- loving it and it kind of turns their life around. So uh, there has to be s- this sort of a period where you do embrace the grind and kind of force yourself through it because uh, unless you don't like uh, get used to it, then it's never going to be like this f- f- fulfilling or enjoyable. Yeah, you make a great point. I agree. My f- I have a formula because um, when you do embark on new ventures you're clear let's say you're clear on your highest values now you're starting a new podcast you're i don't know writing a book you're starting a new business part relationship you it's gonna suck like like seem to just said it's it's going to suck you're gonna have setbacks but setbacks are really just setups for something great Hmm. but the formula is this suck 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 (laughs) cess 
<laughs> embrace the suck. You have to keep pushing forward, and all of a sudden, you, you're going to be successful. And my definition of success, by the way, is the best definition I've ever heard from Earl Nightingale. And he said, the definition of success, uh, or uh, let me rephrase that. He said, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal, meaning a worthy ideal is an idea that you fall in love with, your highest values. And as long as you're pursuing that, you're on your way towards that, you haven't accomplished it, but you're on your way towards that, you are successful. It's closing the gap between your potential, where you want to be, and where you are today. And as long as you're closing that gap, you are successful in my book. Yeah, that's right. Are there like any, do you have like any tricks or uh, strategies for making it uh, easier to stay consistent and kind of embrace the suck? Yeah. Uh, well, Jim Rohn said, don't wish it was easier. I wish you were better. <laughs> so <laughs> working on yourself, reading books. I recommend authors like Don, Dr. John Martini, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Jim Rohn, listening, keeping these audios, listening to these audios when you're making coffee. I do it every single morning. I'm making coffee. I'm listening to these audiobooks. Um, and it's going to be important for you to do a relationship audit, meaning who in your life is not supporting your goals. It can be very difficult to, to, to face this, but make a list of all the people in your life who are not supporting you and make a decision to just spend less time with them. You don't have to cut them out altogether, but spend less time with them. They're what I call crabs in a bucket. And I'll, and I don't know if you ever heard the story, but when you put crabs in a bucket. Let's say we grab 20 crabs and we put them in this bucket with no lid and we leave this bucket of crabs, 20 crabs with no lid uh, overnight and we come back in the morning. Turns out all 20 crabs are going to be there and you're thinking, why, aren't, why didn't they escape? This is why. Anytime a crab tries to escape and break for freedom, the other crabs will claw back down, claw back at that crab and not let it escape. And they're stuck there. So I, I encourage you to find out who are the crabs in your life, who are hold, who's holding you back from your freedom and make a decision to either cut them out or just spend less time with them. It'll, it'll really help you on this journey. And then surround yourself with people and podcasts and, peop, and, and, and books that are going to help that are aligned with this new vision of yours. Yeah, it's uh, pretty pro powerful. And uh, it is uh, very true that the let's say the ideas or the people as well as the environment that you're spending the most time in is just going to dictate your like life and the kind of the person that you are because you're, you're like most people have the same habits as their friends they like the same things as their friends and uh like family members as well are very similar in a way uh, they have like similar polit political views and so on so it's uh pretty much you are the kind of product of your own environment. And if you don't control the environment, then the environment is going to dictate who you're going to become. And uh, therefore, like any, any person who wants to, or let's say like you don't have to necessarily make changes to the environment or the people that are surrounded by you, as long as they fit your, uh, as, long as, you're, as long as you're satisfied with it. So if you're, if you're complaining, then, and you're like wondering why you're not making any progress or something, and then you may have to look at into the uh, the kind of environment and uh, then change the environment. But uh, as long as you're still making, as long as you're you know satisfying the satisfied with it, then the, there's not like a mandatory change needed either. 
That's right. We become our environment. I believe that. I, I said it in my first book. I said, if you hang around dogs, you're going to catch fleas, right? Just a perfect example right there. So it's important to do that audit. Control your environment. Environment is more important than heredity. There was a story. I don't know if this is true, but there was a story uh, that I heard about this, uh, this, 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 this baby that got lost in the uh, wilderness. And he ended up being discovered by a pack of, um, pack of dogs. And this, these dogs actually took care of this baby. And now the baby was uh, over a year old and it was able to speak. And mm-hmm. they ended up finding this baby. And when they found this baby, the baby was barking and crawling around because the baby thought <laughs> it was a dog because it was oh. raised by a pack of dogs. So that's an example of what happens when you, you of an example of what your environment does to you. Yeah, definitely. And uh, especially like the food environment. So part of the reason why people, most people are like overweight is that they're constantly surrounded by these opportunities to eat and the food that they do get exposed to isn't, isn't any good. And uh, it's like high in calories and it's hyper palatable. So they tend to overeat it as well. So like, uh, most like in most cases, I would say that keeping keeping like junk food in the house isn't that good of an idea, especially like during the lockdown, because you're more likely to eat it, and uh, therefore it's gonna jeopardize those jeopardizes the entire entire uh, process and uh, the entire journey. Yeah, exactly. If, if if you if somebody hung out with you and I, seem in for thirty days they would be doing keto, doing fasting. They'll be uh, avoiding vegetable oils. They'll become what we are. And that mm. is, you know, health. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but for me, like I, I do have, let's say, well, I, I don't have like a bad junk food. I don't have like the standard American diet junk food, but I ha- do have like these, uh, a few of these healthy keto alternatives, so to say, like keto bars, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, um, the the thing with that is that they're not that hyper palatable as uh, the standard junk food, and uh, therefore they're and they're also like uh, you you can still have these things around and you can still eat them in moderation if you have if you have like the proper relationship with the food and uh, you have uh, enough like self control about these things. So the worst thing would be to, I think, like the very restrictive measurements, like just locking things into a safe or never buying any anything else that tastes sweet for the rest of life is also like somewhat uh, like a dysfunctional way of going about it so the end goal is still to be in moderation and uh, have like some some more balance in your life i agree i do the same thing i'll, I'll reward myself with uh, healthier variations of these these snacks and treats right so the only exception i don't make are the vegetable oils but i'll, I'll yeah, have sugar yeah. i'll have the sugar my body can burn the sugar yeah, exactly. so yes I'm, I'm with you yeah, like yeah, it's so true. Like, <laughs> sugar itself is just a energy molecule, and that you can really burn off quite fast. Like, you can you can literally, you can literally go for a walk, and most of that sugar is, uh, you know, burned through already. Exactly, but vegetable oil, not the case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, are there like any alternatives to vegetable oils that you would use, like cooking oils? My favorite to cook with, it might be a surprise, but, but olive oil. But when I say olive oil, real first harvest pressed organic cold pressed olive oil. Um, there was a study, I made a video on it, but there was a study where they took 10 of the most popular oils out there to look uh, at these polar compounds that were produced afterwards. And it pretty much debunked the smoke point of oils. And that's not necessarily the main thing now, at least when I look at oils, 
it's these polar compounds that we want to look out the look for the more polar compounds that are produced the more inflammation that oil will cause in the body so as no surprise all the vegetable oils were at the top but olive oil real olive oil not the stuff that's in most shelves actually scored the least amount of polar compounds so it was actually very protected by the rich polyphenol content so i actually cook with olive oil now with that being said i think it's a general good idea not to cook at high heat and smoke a lot of your foods just because that's not going to do you any favors but i'll rotate i like to rotate my oils mostly i'll use olive oil i um, am part of a olive oil club and then i'll rotate that with uh, grass-fed butter grass-fed ghee and coconut oil and avocado oil those are my my rotations right there for cooking oils yeah yeah the um some like some people used to think as well that the the olive oil is really bad to cook with but if it's if it's a uh, high polyphenol olive oil then the antioxidants themselves will actually protect against some of the heat but yeah like you said like too much heat is definitely not good and uh frying frying everything and smoking is uh probably not ideal <laughs> that you would want to do yeah even if it's the best olive oil you still don't want to do that exactly yeah uh, that's right uh so uh i want to touch upon some of the books that you also mentioned like you said that you started reading and you mentioned a few books already like what are maybe some of the favorite books or the your top books that have uh, big have had like the biggest impact on you yeah for for self-development it's anything from bob proctor i, I believe he's like the michael jordan of <laughs> prosperity teaching in fact he's doing a, a seminar a webinar on um on income this weekend that i have a live stream too and i always do all of this uh, live streams. So anything from Bob Proctor, uh, anything from uh, Dr. John Martini and Wayne Dyer in, in terms of the self-development aspect. And for health, uh, Nora Gedgaudis, who I mentioned earlier, her book, Primal Body, Primal Mind, made a big impact in my life. It's a classic that has stood the test of time. And then I, I'm, I'm biased when I say this, but Dr. Pompa, I mm -hmm. believe, is the most brilliant person in the health space. And I was saying this before I started working with him. Anything from Dr. Papa. He just released a book called Beyond Fasting. Mm -hmm. But his work, uh, I love his work so much because it's not just looking at keto and fasting. It's looking at different things, looking at toxicity. It's looking at the guts, looking at the microbiome. So Dr. Pompa, uh, just that Dr. Daniel Pompa, who has been on your show, I, I would go and I will look at his information as a source of, a, a, an amazing source of health. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, he, he has really good information and he's been around uh, the fasting for for a long time and definitely like he has like a similar approach that you talked about that he doesn't do constant ketosis and he doesn't do constant protein restriction he kind of cycles them back and forth and that's gonna embraces the cellular healing aspect which is uh, quite critical exactly it's all in the, he calls it diet variation i call it keto flexing so yeah a lot of what i've learned has been from him so big big credit to dr pompa yeah definitely uh what kind of books have you written like what, what topics i have three books they're 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 not as um scientific as like your book for example they're more for gen like the average person to read and just understand general health so the first book that i came out with is called the perfect health booklet which came out in 2018 uh just general rules to follow keto fastings i have a section on sleep i have a section on uh the subconscious mind and then just like some, some general rules to follow. And then I wrote 
another book called The Intermittent Fasting Cheat Sheet, which is just the top 20 questions I've been receiving on fasting since I started doing it and teaching it in 2013. And I answer it just very basically with science uh, and I have the references in there. And then my, my other book is The Power of Sleep. I just have a book. That one's more research-based uh, in terms of science, uh, scientific studies that I put in there that talks all about sleep, which I believe it's so underrated. It is the foundation of health. I, I think, I believe sleep is more important than nutrition and, and exercise combined. And if you don't okay. have that foundation built, it doesn't matter how much keto and fasting and CrossFit you do, you won't get the results you want. So those are my three books. They were all bestsellers on Amazon. Um, and I have a couple other books, a, a cookbook that I don't sell on Amazon and a, a keto kickstart guide that I give away for free. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. Sleep is definitely re really uh, underappreciated and uh, huge when it comes to losing fat, even and just uh, staying healthy. So under undervalued. Uh, too many people they they sleep on sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, you also have like a huge big uh, YouTube channel. So, uh, what kind of uh, feedback have you been getting from that? Yeah, I mean, like you, um, it's fun. It's fun growing the channel and educating, edu educating the world. I'm about to hit 100K uh, subscribers in, in just 16 months since I launched the channel. Nice. And um, feedback, I mean, a lot of these keyboard gangsters come out on YouTube, right? <laughs> so there's, it's just a small percentage of negative comments, right? But if you're convicted in your message, then it will not even bother you, which I know you're convicted and I am too. But the general um feedback has been amazing i mean oh my gosh i several years ago so remember i used to talk i remember i shared about writing down my goals yeah one of the things that i have written down for years before i started my youtube channel and podcast was i am receiving emails every single day from people all across the world who have watched my videos and i've made a positive in, impact in their life so that, i've written that down over and over and over and now i wake up every single day that's not an exaggeration every single day and i know you can relate and i have emails from people all across the world saying you've made this difference in my life i've watched this video and thank you so much or here's a question could you help me it's just it, it lights me up so i have a goal it's a lofty goal but i have a goal keto camp for us to reach 1 million subscribers before this year is up <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, i also have a goal to uh, increase the podcast growth and and the significance of those numbers is that the message is getting out into the masses. It's cutting through all the noise out there, all the bad information out there. So I love it. YouTube, focusing on YouTube right now is my highest value. I do a lot of studying for it. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun just to see it grow. And, I, and your channel as well, man. I, your channel has been an inspiration to me, by the way. So I thank you for your work. I love your work. I have cited your videos, uh, your work in a lot of my videos. So I'm grateful for your work too. Nice. Yeah, that's, uh, it's a pretty good feeling that you get uh, like a very fulfilling feeling that you get from uh, helping other people and uh, the positive feedback so that you can see you can kind of see that it uh, has like an effect on the world not just like, like your own personal uh, growth and uh, success yeah it's oxygen to my soul brother it is <laughs> that's good to hear uh well yeah it's a uh, great uh, talking with you and uh we i'm gonna start wrapping it up but uh, before we do that where can people find about uh, you and your work yeah I, i'm so grateful to be here with you and uh, by the way those of you who are listening to seems podcast he's going to be on my podcast uh, in a couple weeks the keto camp podcast so that would be a great place to check me out we are a top 15 u.s podcast here uh, in less than a year we got that ranking 
Nice. And we have over 130 plus episodes in less than a year. And you're going to be one of them. So go check out the interview I do with Seam. Uh, go check out the interviews I've done with Dr. Pompa. He's been on there a couple of times. And my YouTube channel, Keto Camp. It's camp with a K. Uh, go check me out on there. Let me know, by the way, that you found me through Seam because uh, I'd love to hear that. And uh, that I'd love to connect with you as well. Yeah, we're going to put all the links in the show notes. And uh, it's uh, going to be a good one. <laughs> but uh, my last question is, What's this one piece of advice or habit you wish you had adopted sooner? Advice or habit I wish I had sooner. It, it would be the understanding, the awareness. This is the, so key, the, the word awareness. The awareness that everything we want in life, whether it's a health goal, a business goal, a relationship goal, whatever it is that's, that we want, it all starts with our thoughts. And I believe our thoughts are the greatest power that we have. We can create heaven, we can create hell. And there's nothing external of us that will either help us or hurt us. It's what's on the inside that counts. So we think about 60,000 thoughts every single day. And 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts from the day before, which are mostly negative thoughts. So the, bit, the advice that I would give is become very aware of your thoughts. And when I say that, it means throughout the day, when you're brushing your teeth, when you're walking your dog, when you're exercising, what are you thinking? Are you thinking negative thoughts, which most people are, or are you doing what I do, affirmations? I'm saying in my head all day long, I love myself. I love myself. I am so happy and grateful now that I have a million subscribers on YouTube. I am so happy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm building up these thoughts because the subconscious mind cannot accept uh, or cannot reject anything. It accepts everything. So be very diligent with the thoughts that you're thinking. When you find yourself thinking negatively, especially right now with what's going on in the world, it it happens more to me now than in the past because of what's happening in the world. I'll have the awareness to realize that I'm thinking something negative and I'll look at it as like a cloud that passes and I'll just say next and then I'll choose a better thought. So if you can start choosing a better thought, practicing self-love with your thoughts, you're going to get everything you want out of life. Yeah, and that's really good advice. And uh, it's so true that your thoughts will determine your reality. And uh, the objective world itself is uh, is kind of indifferent. And it's just a thing <laughs> that happens. And we just create uh, our own reality of it uh, with our thoughts and like our perceptions of how we look at it and uh, how, how what kind of interpretations we make, which is quite a powerful thing. Yep, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So you said it well, brother. Yeah, well, that's a perfect, perfect quote to end the show with. So yeah, thanks for coming and uh, looking forward to uh, you hitting 1 million subscribers. Yeah, you too. You were doing it together, brother. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, I'll see you around. All right, that's it for this episode of the Body, Mind, Empowerment podcast. If you want to support us, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes and the other social media platforms. You can now order my new book, Metabolic Autophagy, that covers a lot of the same topics that we talked in here. It's a collection of certain lifestyle habits and practices that prioritize longevity as well as performance. To support this podcast, you can also become a Patreon and get exclusive video lectures from my biohacking bootcamp that covers circadian rhythms, intermittent fasting, autophagy, resistance training, biofeedback, and many more. But other than that, my name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.